less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor interview. Well, it's good to have you, Michael. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for, for joining us. I, I know it's uh, you're a busy man. Absolutely. Uh, but glad that you made time for it. Martin, what did you have to do to coerce Michael to get into this? Um, I gave him seven hundred dollars. Yeah, and he got me up from six hundred. He wouldn't come for six, but no. evidently seven hundred is a That's magic the key number. number. Uh, I think you did ask twice. <laughs> yeah, and he forgot to call me back conveniently a few times, but if you pester him long enough, he'll <laughs> finally answer right. the phone. Um, man, what have you been up to? What's what's going on for you recently? Oh, uh, still just work. Yeah. I mean, kids are picking up sports finally. So, oh, yeah. Is that and, fun? And the company's going good enough to where I've been able to actually get more involved with that. So That's, that's cool. Great. What sports? Softball and baseball. Ooh. Yeah. You were a baseball guy, right? Yeah. Nice. And you did football, right? Yep. Baseball and football. Yeah. You had a gnarly concussion. Is that right? Or did you Seven. have a bunch? Yeah, yeah, a lot of concussions. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That explains a whole lot. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. That's good. Uh, how old are the kids? They are eight and six. Eight and six. Yep. Awesome. Cool stuff. Um, well, excited to talk to you today about Barnett Electrical, right? Right. Um, and yeah, just kind of give us a nutshell of like who you are, you know, how you yeah. got into contracting. So our dad opened it up in 88 and yeah. then I worked for him during high school, mm -hmm. after high school a little bit, uh, got paid like next to nothing, of course. Yeah. So I went and worked a few other places. And then uh, in 2012, he decided he wanted to step back. So came back. And that's when I really took over the company. Yeah. Started running it. So it's been like eight years. What's it like being a family business that like, I mean, I'm sure that's a difficult thing to work with your family in contracting. I know many contractors are like that. But what is it like taking over? I think I was pretty fortunate because by the time that he made the phone call, he was ready to be done. Really? So there was... He really did step out. Yeah, there was six months to a year of him still trying to be in control. Um, but yeah. I think I think I was fortunate in that. And also with the way that business planning and ownership went, they were... I think I'm probably one of the more fortunate with that. Yeah, because you always hear like nightmare stories yeah. of like right. fallouts. And, and we just that. had a discussion about it and went to lawyers and got it taken care of. Wow. And... It's that part of it's definitely gone great for us. Cool. Yeah, that, I don't want to let that go without uh, commenting. Went to lawyers and got the ownerships worked out and went it. Didn't it change on time? Yeah, we I, did. I mean, we did. Right. We did a. Uh, we started with ten percent each for my brother and I. Yeah. From their ownership, from my parents, and then it stepped up over time, and now we're thirty each, and they're twenty each. Nice. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, and it stays at that until one of them pass. Okay. And then ownership goes to you guys. Yeah. And then it splits, um, which Darren probably won't listen to this, but I get fifty-one percent. Oh, <laughs> Darren's your brother. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I know Darren, and I think he's probably really happy with that. Yeah, honestly. Because oh, yeah, sixty-one percent of the of the worries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. So. Uh, well, actually, I want to. What was talk about that decision to get the lawyers involved? Because I'm sure that, that that's not, really unusual and yeah. really important. That's one well, of the things we talk about. I mean, people don't want to spend the money. I don't even you know? remember what triggered it. I mean, probably discussions with you, Martin. Um, and I, I did meet with a few other uh, when we were looking at getting life insurance and stuff. And they asked, you know, questions like, "What happens if one of your parents dies? What happens if your dad dies?" You know, and you're like, "I don't know." It's like I don't have answers to these questions. Um, and in 2012, we start ramping it up and it starts growing. So at the same time, it's like, I don't want to have this company that I've built into something right. and have no ownership over it. Right. So we really just sat down and had a discussion about it and then went and did all of the... We being your folks. Yeah. And, yeah. Parents and Darren. Yeah. And, and that, that's such a, like, every time, I mean, I'm not an expert in legal by any means, but I, what I've learned is that it, yeah, it does cost up front. Mm -hmm. But you're saving yourself so much money if you do it up front because oh, it costs. It always costs more after the fact. Yeah, I've got a uh, uh, an attorney who calls it a partnership disagreement, and that's more accurate. He says because you don't look at it if everybody's in agreement. Right. It's when you're in disagreement that you better have done it. Yeah, you and you're not thinking about that way back early. But, oh yeah. no, not at all. I'm sorry, I cut and, you off here. Oh, at something. the same time, we also did uh, life insurance policies that yeah. build cash value. Cool. For things like if a divorce happened or whatever, because we could use the cash value to buy out the other 
partner, uh, spouse, and stuff like that. And then just life insurance for if Darren or I were to die, then the life insurance policy has plenty of money to buy out the partner from the company so mm. that the spouse isn't then left with ownership. You know, gotcha. and Another thing in passing here, it, don't say your sales, but like six figures or seven figures. At the time you were doing all this, approximately how many figure sales you were you doing? And total sales? Yeah, when you were when you were doing that. Uh, it was still month. six figures. Yeah, we, we, we yeah so that, the reason I'm bringing that up is people listening to this, uh, from my experience, people think that, uh, oh, lawyers and agreements, that's all for big companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and you did it. Yeah. When and, you, I mean, you're a real company, but it's not what you call giant, and it's not where you are now. Yeah, and when we did it, it was a big, big dollar amount to pay lawyers to do that at the time. Yeah, and you were kind of like, man, is this, what are we doing? Right, but then it's, you know, you never, tomorrow's not guaranteed. You yeah, never know yeah. what's going to happen. So. Absolutely. And that, that is a really good, you've already served the listeners very well <laughs> right there if we don't get anything else. Well, I know there's more to it than just taking over ownership, but, you know, so you took over ownership, you said 2012? Yep, 2012. So, yeah, continue. Like, what? what? Um, so, 2012 through, like, 2016, we're still doing a ton of new construction residential. Right. And ramping that up more and more. And, you know. What kind? Like, give us a better idea. New construction. Is it, are you working with, like, you know. Home builders. That, yeah, but, yeah. like, what size home builders? Are they doing, like, you know, 20 homes a year or, like, 200 homes a year? Oh, man. I don't even know how many we're doing a year. Well, we were doing, like, 600,000 worth. Um, gotcha. And I could divide that up, but. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just, we were sales focused. Okay. No idea. No okay. idea about how much money's hitting the bank. Nothing. Just. And is that you doing all the sales? Yeah, that's yeah. just through home builders. There's not really advertising necessarily. Right, you're just going out to all the builders, talking to yep. them. And yep. if you can get the job done and you're cheap enough, then <laughs> you can get... I mean, if, you, if you're if you cheap enough, you can get as much work as you want. You can go sell whatever you want <laughs> yeah. cheap enough, but you won't be around. They'll, they'll let <laughs> yeah. you pay to uh, wire their houses. Absolutely. Yeah. You can donate wiring houses to home builders all day. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, why did you do that? You said sales, but... Uh, that's what we'd always done. So yeah. when my dad opened it, that's what we'd always done is just wire houses. So instantly my vision of building the company was what we already knew, which was Go wiring houses. Yeah, and, then, and then a day comes when you're like, wow, I'm working 90 hours a week and I'm not actually making any more money. So we got to do something different. Yeah. Back in those days, did you even know if you were making money? No, we had no idea. Yeah. What was, if you, if you were trying to get an idea, what did you do? Just look at the bank account. Or? Yeah, if there's money in the bank account, but you're always like, God, I'm working so much. Where's all the money? Why isn't there more money? In yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, what what do you feel like during that time were like the biggest issues that you were going through? Was it just like constant stress of working too much, not knowing what was in the bank? Was it managing the employees? What was the biggest challenges so, that you feel like you had back when? It was just Darren and I mm-hmm. running job sites. It was easy because both of us can run. I mean, that's why we're in the trade. We right. are really, we were great electricians. Yeah. Which kind of faded a little bit probably since I've been in the office. <laughs> don't tell anyone that. But when we were the ones on site, it was easy. Yeah. I mean, everything was taken care of. There's no callbacks. The jobs are done correctly. Right. They can be profitable. But scaling from there, it was impossible to do. I it's didn't know been- what to do. So why didn't you just stay where you were at? I mean, if it was comfortable, profitable, everything was good? Well, it. I just knew that eventually I'd want to retire or work less. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, we were legitimately putting in seven days a week. Yeah. Sometimes six, but usually seven. Yeah. And 10-hour days, not oh, eight, yeah. eight-hour days. So yeah. it just started to kind of wear. The, the stress of the business has never really gotten to me like from the mo- the money point standpoint it's is it worth what we're doing yeah absolutely so um at that time i mean how are you meeting builders was it just kind of referral um or are you guys doing a lot of prospecting driving around build sites and all no, that you stuff? just pick which builders you want to work for pretty much and then, and just and then lower your price until they say yes yeah, well <laughs> try to figure out what they're paying and if you think you know offer them something and if you're lower, then you get it. And then you're like, well, how much lower was I? <laughs> right. Yeah. And then. And that was kind of your process. Yeah. And then, you know, the work. We always maintained a good product. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Good stuff. So um, when you were preparing bids, was it literally just to 
lowball or were you, was there a method to, to the madness? No, we did have a per square foot price for like basic code items and yeah. then a list of things to add beyond that, like a la carte, you know, can lights, extra lights, extra plugs, all that stuff. Gotcha. But back then, you know, we have no idea yeah. what our margins are or any of that or, or what the word margin even meant. Yeah. You know, one, one thing I like to always ask, if you can think back to then when you're driving around in your truck at that time, what were you thinking about? Hmm. I mean, not on a particular day, but in general, where, where was your brain? How many jobs can we get done? <laughs> like, how fast can we get these done? Yeah. That's it. And it's just never ending because you're adding jobs yeah. and all that it's stuff. It's always a race, yeah. and everything's always behind. So everyone's yeah. always pushing. Yeah. How many people at this time, roughly? Uh, we had six. Six, six plus people. you and... Six people plus me and Darren and my okay. parents. Gotcha. So six actual field employees. And it was like that before you guys took over? No. Whenever I came back in 2012, it was us three. Oh, wow. Yeah. So your dad was just doing this solo? He's always he's always just had the one truck at a time. Wow. There, were, there was a time in the uh, early 90s where he had 20 employees, but they were all on one job site. <laughs> and one truck. <laughs> right. Which, <laughs> I, if, as you can imagine, yeah, it wasn't very legal. <laughs> yeah. I believe it. But believe it. back then, nobody was. Sure. Okay, so when is this turning point that you're like, okay, we're going to, you said that you were tired of working seven days a week, you know, 10, mm-hmm. 10 hour days, and you, you wanted to scale. What year is this? So we started, the first thought was, let's pick up commercial work because okay. there's more money in sales and commercial work. And okay. we're still, we're still worried about sales. At this and point. that's new construction. <laughs> yeah, new construction yeah. commercial work. So that would have been um, 2017. Middle of 2016, 2017 okay. is when we started picking up more commercial new construction. Gotcha. And what was that like? What was the difference for you guys on commercial jobs at this point? Darren and I both had worked for some other contractors like mm-hmm. I did before I came back in 2012. So we knew how to do commercial work already. Yeah. And us as project runners were able to move right into it. And same thing. The job sites that we could be on are fine and They're profitable. Fine, yeah. But same thing. We're still working a ton of hours. Right. But we've just got sales goals in mind. Right. And 20, and why, why just sales goals? I think that's typically well, the common answer for most people is I'm just trying to hit sales. Yeah. And um, I think Martin always has a great saying for just about everything. But if I get all this money in, surely I can catch some of it on the way through. Like yeah. I'm going to keep some of that on the way through. But mm-hmm. no one really knows how much or how to keep it. Yeah. Or, or if they did. Yeah, or if they did at all. Yeah. So... And then twenty yeah, twenty sixteen was the first year we broke a million, so we were like, This is amazing. Yeah. But then we're like feeling feeling cash flow problems. Right. But we broke a million, so where's the money? So I mean, talk talk more about those cash flow problems. Like what what did you think was the issue at that time? Uh well accounts receivable. Yeah. But that's also just not having any processes in place to make sure that doesn't happen. And then I mean at the time just saying that process for accounts receivable or process for, we didn't have processes. That wasn't <laughs> just, a thing. It wasn't we, we had we had ways to do the work. That was a on site process, right. but running a business, nothing. I like to ask people this. Did you ever forget to invoice a job? All the time. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. And and you get contractors that are honest people that call you and they're like, I need this bill from you. Yeah. Where is it? But then you know, there's some that no, they don't never say yeah, anything. Why why should I call? It's not my job. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you break a million. Right. What what happens from there? Um, that, we, we add some more people to the staff to start trying to grow other things. So we start growing a little bit of service, and I'm not even focused on service work. Service work meaning at like that a, time. at that time. Me personally, I'm not focused on it. Yeah. We brought some people in to start doing some service. And just to increase sales again? Yeah, just to try to get... Gotcha get into everything, not mm-hmm. just be focused on one thing only. Um, and the service departments ran terribly, but it collects money every day. Yeah. So Which was nice for cash yeah, flow. Absolutely. And then that's probably right around 2017 mm-hmm. is a year that we took a big hit. We grew a lot that year, but we actually lost money in, in 2017. Oh, yeah. So the beginning of 2018, I'm starting to think about, I know how to be an electrician. I don't know how to run a business. I need to learn. 
Yeah. And I start meeting with some other business owners and stuff. And then we do a mastermind class over with Martin. And uh, the the thing that he was talking about that really stuck out was the uh, calculator for raising your price versus discounts. Uh-huh. Man, that's worth yeah. a million bucks. That, yeah, just that. And it's also right there. in our on our website. It's on the, it's on the So uh, I think we were for bill out stuff. We were eighty five an hour, and I changed it to one hundred thirty five an hour that night. <laughs> I, I I tell that story all the time. I don't use yeah. your name, but yeah, he was in there <laughs> sitting around actually this table. I said, what? And then he texted me that night. Well, or you told me the next day. I went from 85 to, I didn't realize, 135, was it? Yeah. Yeah, 135. Yeah, 135, like that afternoon. Call <laughs> the guys and tell the next stop, tell them this. Yeah. I go, holy cow, man. Yeah, and we got, I think, one landlord that quit, Complained. quit us yeah. or fired us. But everybody uh, else was like, all right. They were they were a customer that we kind of wanted to part ways with anyway. Yeah. So in everybody else, they just didn't bat an eye at it. That's a good way to get rid of the customers you don't like is just to increase the prices. Yeah. That's the second benefit of raising prices. Get rid <laughs> yeah. of them. Well, Call yeah. you at home. Have Morty Buster. Being price properly qualifies your customers for sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so were you, you weren't scared to do that, obviously. Or maybe you were internally, or but you were like, I just have to. No, nah, after, after the calculator that he had, it yeah. was just like, well, I mean, we could lose this many. We could do this much less work and make the same amount of money. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give that a shot. Yeah. I'm going to give an exact example here for the listeners. But if you have 35% margins and you raise your prices 10%, you can lose 22% of your business before you lose a penny of profit. Uh, now, one of the things that Michael knew is to use that calculator, you got to know what your margins are. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if you don't know if you got 35% margins or 20% margins or 50 but anyway, that's the kind of thing you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that same class is when I learned that, or when I learned I needed to learn that margins. What was a margin? And would you say that, like, when you, that, that mastermind, when you decided to increase your prices, was that when something probably, like, switched off, switched in your brain of, like, your thinking? Yeah. Thinking more about I'd profit say, rather than sales? I'd say if I didn't go to that mastermind, then we wouldn't be where we are today, <laughs> for sure. Well, yeah. yeah. So what, let's Thank talk you. about some of the things that, that uh, <laughs> let's talk about some of the things that, kind of you know followed that event of increasing your prices uh so i don't know if it was it might have been two months after that i actually signed up and started coaching with martin right but instantly then i started trying to find books to read and talking to other people and like yeah trying you know learning what margins were so then i i learned what it is and our books are trash so (laughs) there's no way to decipher how we're doing off of our books Right. Because we didn't have them internally. We just had a bookkeeper that was just lumping everything together. Mm. Um, so then we start meeting with Martin and learn how important it is to departmentalize everything so that you can see where everything's going. Right. And, uh, yeah, that's really what got the ball rolling. And, I mean, today, um, last year, for instance, for vehicle expenses, we just had vehicle expense. So, like, maintenance, repairs, tire, everything's lumped into one. But well, now you can really... Now I've got it departmentalized down all the way to where it's tire expense, it's regular maintenance, like oil changes and stuff, then it's repair work, and then major repairs, and then I've got an other vehicle category, and that one is, like, we built shelving for a vehicle or, you know, tubs and stuff for a vehicle. Right. We put that on there because it's a one-time kind of expense. You know exactly but, where your money's going. And it's helped us make decisions about trucks to get rid of. If we need to get new trucks, if maintenance is costing too much, where yeah. when it was lumped into one category, we have no clue. Man. So let's let's go back a little bit. You said that, you know, you started coaching and you started reading books. You start, you know, you started basically becoming a business person, if you will. Mm-hmm. That did you ever like envision yourself as a business person? Even when you, I mean, maybe whenever you were running the business from your parents, did you ever think that you would be a business owner one day? I knew I wanted to be. I just didn't know how to get there. And did you think that you'd have the skills to do it? Did you think I, that you'd be able to read books and all this kind of stuff? Or I mean, not books like literature, but like financial statements? I didn't realize how much fun I would have. Really? For sure. I like that. That's good. So why is it fun to you? Uh, It's just, I mean, the work was fun, but running the business, it's trying to plan ahead and make the right decision and then seeing the decision that you made and seeing the results of it. Yeah. And uh, 
Uh, it's just it's a challenge every day. It's and you don't even need like competition. It's a it's a competition with yourself, kind of. Right. Enjoy. It's not always fun, though, is it? Oh, there's times <laughs> that definitely aren't fun. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if it weren't always, I mean, if it were always fun, it'd probably get boring. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's highs and lows, but I'd say the highs are much better than the lows. And you know, I remember one thing. Uh, I guess I can preface this by asking, how many houses did you wire in the last eight months? Um, probably like six. Oh, really? I thought you were going to say zero. But and those were all for like a specific person that no, is you. a huge service customer or something like that. Right, right. And they paid much higher prices than they would have with anybody else to use us. Right. Yeah. So they valued something other than price and what yeah. they got. Which previously we were probably wiring like ten a week. Right. <laughs> so why did you why did you get rid of that? Why are you not doing the residential um, installations anymore? So we finally were able to get our books um, split up into classes and properly track everything. Now that's that's a hard process, by the way, right? That's not like a a day process, right? Yeah, it's I was extremely involved in that. Yeah, that that put me back to working ninety hours a week, but in a different what, way. What what was that like? Like where you why did you press through that? Because you just knew it was going to be valuable. Well, to f I knew that uh, for some home, home builders, I knew we were losing money, um, just just off of like rough calculations that I could do. Yeah. Uh, but that wasn't present in our books, and I mean, obviously, you know, QuickBooks and doing it properly, it should all be there in reports. Like you can yeah. run a report and know what you're doing, but we couldn't. So then, just coaching with Martin and you know deciding it and then splitting it up into classes and then uh it was split into classes and then we had to wait we had to wait for it for like three months you know because yeah. we got it figured out to we got it, it fixed so now we have to wait yeah so we waited uh three to four months and got accurate enough numbers to make a decision when you gotcha. saw the margins Right, yeah. I think it was like 15%. Yeah, I'm not even sure margin. it was that high. Yeah, it might I knew. I tell people that if a box of fittings fell off your truck, you'd lose Yeah, you'd lose money on that job. <laughs> oh, yeah. If we didn't find a box of someone else's fittings, yeah. <laughs> we would lose money on that job. <laughs> no, they That's were, good. Yeah, they were bad. And, I mean, that was definitely because any decision you make like that, there's a new construction department. So yeah, we did let go of uh, eight people in one day. And that's a hard decision to make, but at the end of the day, like, because I know that people s see the sales and they think, I can't lose that money, mm -hmm. um, but, and I, I can't let go of these people. But at the same time, like, you're not running your business to be a charity. Right. And you're not running your business to cause stress in your life. Mm -hmm. Like, you're doing it because you want to do good work, because you want to have people that are valuable and do good work and have a, a good career and you're able to like feel good about employing them and absolutely yeah I mean you had to let go of eight people but it's it was a better decision it wasn't doing it was doing them a service yes yeah. if you're hanging on to them and well then you, everybody's gonna get laid off yeah, yeah. exactly including me yeah it's not <laughs> gonna make me. it yeah and you know those guys if uh, if they wanted to uh, learn to wire commercial buildings they could do that mm -hmm. and then also if they're a, a journeyman they can go work somewhere else. It's not like, oh yeah, that's the thing anybody. about the trades too in Oklahoma anyway. It yeah. really does take courage to pull the trigger and make that decision. I remember when you did it. Mm -hmm. yeah. That was that was probably one of the more stressful. Times. Yeah, all that money coming in and cash flowing. I mean, they pay a lot of them will pay you on Fridays. Mm -hmm. Not all yeah. of them, I know, but cash flowing. And, ooh, I'm not going to get that check next Friday. Yeah. Yep. Well, and that's the that cash flow cycle making cash flow decisions it, it becomes a monster for sure yeah and if you're not careful you'll it'll catch you to where if if one home builder doesn't pay one week then yeah. you can't make payroll and that's a terrible situation yeah. to be in. yeah for sure well you're you you added uh, commercial you're talking about you really started concentrating on something as well something else too service work yeah <coughs> excuse me so what so, was uh, attractive about service work uh, the margins just instantly without even me putting any effort into it I see the margins and I'm like wow the margins are really high over here on service work so <laughs> I'm gonna focus my attention on that a little bit uh, so we you know are ramping we, we fire all of our home builders except for one because this one home builder 
we do make a little bit of money on, and I wanted a little bit of a bridge to get us to where we were going. Yeah, it's not easy to just cut cold turkey. So we fire all of them but the one, and uh, are doing commercial new construction at the time. Darren is managing it on site, and we're doing big projects that he's running, so they're profitable, and we're tracking it properly now. Um, so I start focusing on the service work, and service work's hitting forty percent margins without any effort yeah. by me, and uh, no processes in place. The guys are going to get parts six eight times a day. It's <laughs> there's a lot of improvements to be made. Low hanging fruit, most certainly a ton of low hanging fruit. Yeah, to grab and make that better. So. Start focusing on that and uh, putting some processes into place. Yeah. Um, trying to figure out how to keep the guys out of the parts house, make it to where they're only accomplishing work. Um, and then I'd say two of the biggest things was standard truck stock. So we made a list of what parts we could encounter on any service call. Yeah. Residential service call. Yeah. And then figured out how to lay them out in the vehicles that we had, standardized it for every truck. And that did away with trips to the store. There you go. That's but, a, but that's a hard process, too. That took oh, a, for a sure. lot of time yeah, yeah, and yeah. organization. Probably took a year to do Abs- it. No, it didn't. It was it not a year. Long? No, it was, no? it was quick. It, it, was, like, quick, it, was, quick. it took like a month yeah. to figure it out and get the list together. But uh-huh. as soon as they used the parts off their truck, how do you replenish the parts? So that was the next step. And you've got a pretty cool system for that. Right. So Tell now us about that. Uh, we have a just a long table, basically, with a normal table height and then floor height. And everybody has a checkout area and a return area with their name on it. Yeah. So the guys go to the jobs and do them. And in their debrief from each job, which is, here's what I did at this job. The customer paid with this. And they take pictures of everything. Yeah. Take pictures of the panel, take pictures of hot water tank, air conditioner, because yeah. we're going to do heat and air and plumbing someday. Someday. Yeah. So uh, anyways, take pictures of everything, do the debrief, put all the parts they used. Okay. Our parts, we have two warehouse people. They take the parts that were used. They pull them. They put them back in their checkout area. The guy gets to work the next morning. He's got all of the parts that he took off of his truck the previous day to replenish his truck. Yep. So it just keeps feeding like that. And another big thing was we were able to get one of our suppliers to yes, consign. That's, this is what I was talking about. The consign, yeah. So all of the parts that we use for the trucks, there is a locked up room in our warehouse that we don't actually own any of the parts in. Yep. And the supplier stocks it, and we scan out parts when we take them out of the cage. And as soon as we scan them out, that's when we get billed for them. And it also sends a ticket to the supplier to replenish the cage stock. It's amazing. So it makes it to where none of our employees ever have to actually go to a store. Including the warehouse person. Yeah, that's and what does that do for your inventory expenses? So the actual cost of being able to have that stuff on hand. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, there's thirty-five or forty thousand dollars worth of parts in there. The next facet is to build a truck, a new truck. It's like eight thousand dollars. The next thing that we're working on, and we're pretty close with the supplier now is for them to consign the parts on the truck. truck. Until you, yeah, it, it, yes. you buy it when he pulls it off and scans it at the customer's house. Right, because at that point, we can add a truck to the fleet and not have any money out of pocket for the material. Yeah. And uh, we pay for the material after we've already been paid by the customer. Honestly. Yeah. Oh. And that's just incredible for your receivables and for the money that's tied up in inventory. Yeah. Like you cash essentially going to have like zero cash tied up in inventory. Right, and that's, that, that's definitely the goal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that uh, just jumping back when we first met. Uh, how big was your old shop? Did you have like six thousand square six thousand square feet? Going on yeah, so we walked back there and floor to ceiling <laughs> stuff, right? Yeah. How much money do you have? Say, back how here? much money you got here, Michael? <laughs> I, have no uh, I don't know, <laughs> but we we're guessing maybe a hundred. I mean, maybe a hundred and fifty. I don't know. Yeah, over hundred. Yeah, sure. over a hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff. And for contractors, this is real important because. Very few contractors carry inventory or acknowledge that they have it, mm-hmm. uh, which means that they buy a lot of things twice because they didn't know they already had it, all these yeah. kinds of things. But that $100,000 was not available to make payroll because right. it was tied and, up. And, it's and your profit and loss is wrong right? because if you buy a bunch of stuff and you expense it and you still have some of the stuff, then it shows you've lost money where maybe you didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. yeah. The goal is definitely zero inventory yeah. Yeah. that we owned. 
we won't have a ton of inventory that we don't own yet. And if I would have, and if like we would have just said to you back in like 2017 or 2018, like, hey, you're gonna have zero inventory, like zero dollars in inventory, you're, you would have been like, what? Yeah, we like, won't be able to work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But there's a way, right? Absolutely. And, it, and it, I think I we're covering a lot of like years here, mm-hmm. just like really fast. But it was a journey. What was the mentality that you had to have going into that? Because these are big changes that we're talking about. Yeah. It was Michael, they're unusual. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Most people don't do this. That's kind of what we're trying to get at. It was, uh, so I read this, uh, I look up motivational posters and stuff all the time to try to find some that the guys will like, you know. Yeah. I saw this one the other day, and it was a guy jumping off of a cliff, <laughs> and it said, jump, we'll build the wings on the way down. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's, that might not be a good one, but that's kind of how I've done it. That's kind um, of how it feels, yeah, right? I've felt like I was confident enough in myself to be able to do it. Yeah. So um, the decisions were made. Like, this this is what needs to happen. So I did it. And then figured out how to make it work. Yeah. For lack of a better way of putting it. But Yeah. But you did it. Yeah. And you did it. I mean, that's... that's what And you're doing it. I mean, yeah, you're oh, still, still jumping still. With, your, with no wings, right? Yeah, absolutely. We, we hired a heat and air journeyman, and we have a contractor's license, and no one knows it yet. Yeah. Um, well, but, they might now, unless you want us to cut it out of this. Yeah, no, it's cool. <laughs> but, yeah, um, everyone's probably going it, to... Most of the stuff that I've done, there's usually at least my wife or one of my parents that's like, What are you are doing? Are you sure? This is a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it takes, as a, as a business owner, you have to make those leaps of faith mm-hmm. all the time, um, or else you just stay stagnant and you get in a rut and you don't improve and mm-hmm. you miss out on opportunities um, and you don't grow more than like if you're going to grow you have to get uncomfortable right and you have to take that leap of faith i'd say a big thing is we have a great group of management and like core employees yeah. but i think um, one thing is they all know the books like mm-hmm. we it's every everybody knows all the numbers and why did you do that because uh, if they know where we're at where we're going they know why this is the plan they're yeah. all more invested in it. They feel like a, like they have ownership of the decisions mm-hmm. being made. Um, and it's, it's just worked great. Like, it's, there's still times when, uh, like, uh, we were quitting commercial new construction, too. Right. I don't know if I mentioned that to you. Well, I yeah. But I, I knew I you were trending away, but there's, <laughs> there's one guy you still want to build for, though. Mm, or you're not even gonna. Nah, okay. no. We actually. We, we just found we we're gonna him. stick where the margins are. <laughs> and, so, and so what's why? Why is it just for margins so, or what? Right, just for margins, and because if and you if you uh, like right now service after the changes you know that we've made service is now doing between sixty eight and seventy two percent margins. Yeah. And new construction. Would you say that again for <laughs> listeners who might have gone over a bump? Between like 68 to 72. It it varies, you know, month to month. But uh, commercial new construction is doing like 30. Which is... uh, It's still decent. uh, Like, go back to Michael from 2012. If you just said 30% margin, you're like, let's go. Like, let's do this. What's a margin? Yeah, what's a margin? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, just real quickly, listeners, when we talk, people use the word margins for lots of things. We're talking about the difference between the sale price and the cost of materials and labor. Right. Those are your, that's your, margin is your gross profit. So yeah. anyway. The yeah. easiest way I've been able to explain it to our guys is like when we're making decisions like this, I'm like, if we do service work, we do a dollar in sales, we get to keep like 68 cents of it to go towards our overhead. In commercial construction, if we do a dollar worth of sales, we're only gonna keep like 30 cents. Well, you yeah. just said it better than I did. And there, uh, there's some training and stuff that we do um, and one good thing that I've found to use is like beer as like <laughs> sales and beer and why. So one of the things with service is like offer multiple options. Yeah. Because if you're, if a customer gets multiple options to achieve an outcome, yeah, you know, it, there's, there's a lot of stuff to it, but you feel like you're more in, in control of what's happening. Absolutely. And it takes our guys out of the control of saying, this is what we're doing. This is how much it is. Yep. It's we can do these things to get where you need to go, and you can choose which one you want to go with. Yeah, and they're different prices, of course. So, yeah, um, that helps price decisions. And do you find most? I mean, because I already, I think I already know, but uh, do you find that most customers that are homeowners 
are always going to choose the higher option or majority of the time choose the higher option? Middle to high. Middle to high? Yeah, it depends on what's going on. And then yeah. there's some people that go with low. But yeah. uh, a lot of guys for service work are still doing like time of material or they're, you know, um, if they are doing some kind of flat rates, yeah, there's still an hourly to it. Mm-hmm. So we've completely taken that out. And now we just have a service charge to show up to your house. We do a safety inspection. And then while we're doing the safety inspection, we look over anything that's going on with your house that you don't know about. And it also helps us see things connected to the actual problem so that we can diagnose it better and not have a repair that only lasts a week. And then we're back out there. And that makes it to where the customer is completely in charge of everything. And you know what it's going to cost before it happens. And that service fee, it qualifies our customers. Absolutely. If the if a customer isn't going to pay for the service fee, then they're not going to do anything with us. So it's better to never go there, and we just have a nice phone conversation, and they choose to not use us, yep. which is perfectly fine. Yeah. If they're looking for the lowest quality, cheapest there is, that's not going to be us. And that you just know, means that we're not their contractor, and they're not our customer. That idea of pricing and being the cheapest, uh, pretty clear where you stand, but I remember when you were looking... Because you raised the prices that first time after the mastermind, then you raised them again, mm-hmm. and you'd done some research, and you were the highest in ten. Maybe there's one other guy. Uh, you people charging hourly. There was only one more expensive than us. Yeah, and and now if you really break down our hourly, it's two hundred and seven dollars per hour. Per hour. Per hour per person. Right. Per and, hour. Oh, because because you send two on two every guys. job. It depends. Depends. We have, we have a lot of service trucks that only run one guy. Gotcha. And if they're if they're really efficient and yeah, they're and good. And another um, figuring out how to set all of your costs. So our pricing is all set. There's a price book that covers anything that's going to happen at a house. And the way all the pricing is built is 22% of it is material, 18% of it is labor. Occasionally, well, more more times than not, we end up with less than 22% material depending right. on what it is. That's how we get the higher than 60% margin. Um, but to fix the labor, it, we pay 18% labor for the job. Right. That's it's what we pay. Our we don't pay them hourly anymore. Ah. And if they want to use an apprentice, we pay the journeyman 13%. And apprentice five? Yeah. The other five covers the apprentice cost. And we still pay the apprentice hourly. But that so also, what, what's great about that? So the guys can make as much money as they want. Yeah. And the way that our pricing to the customer is set up, it protects the customer from... Because, you know, if you get some people that are only sales-oriented, oriented, they're going to go gouge people. Right. But the way that it's set up, they can't. The pricing's set. It's out of a book. It doesn't matter yeah. if they're working in a neighborhood with million-dollar homes or $200,000 homes. The price right. is the same. And we, uh, we can diagnose, you know, any safety issues that are in the house. And all of our guys present all the safety issues at every job. It's part of the safety inspection. Right. If your smoke detectors aren't working... If there's any code stuff that's non-compliant, they make the customer fully aware of it, and the customer signs off on it that they have acknowledged these things. Yeah. So it it just makes it to where the guys can go in, do their job, and make that amount of money. And yeah. if there's a callback, meaning warranty, or the customer is unhappy or anything, they're going back. Yeah. And they're going back on their own time because they've already been paid mm-hmm. 13% for it. And that's the labor from that job. You know, and one... Uh, Go ahead. Um, I want to touch on something because I know you have limited time. We probably ought to have another one of these later on. Yeah. But technology, okay? You, you talked about QuickBooks. Totally got it. I know you do some other things, but you dispatch everybody. Is yours Jobber? Who? It was. We, it was Jobber. We, we, oh, we went with a different one. Right, yeah. right. But you've got software that, that dispatches people and... Uh, can you just talk a little bit about the benefit of having that? So from the field point of view, the greatest thing is they can only see one job at a time. They can only so see they don't even job. know where they're going? They have no idea where their next okay. job is. And the biggest complaint for them, you know, back in the day would be, well, I don't know if I have parts for that next job. Well, you do. Yeah. I've made sure you do. You've, you've got the parts. Oh, that was, yeah. So um, if they so don't now know. they're not coming back to the shop. Well, that and they don't rush. The, the, the call that they're on is their call. They're not thinking about the three other the calls they have they or, do, God, I've got to get out of here because I'm going to be late or anything like that. They're focused on the one call, and that's all they even know is happening. So they give the customer 
the full attention that they need and they yep. don't miss things and blow through it and try to get to the next call. That's great. That's been a huge That's thing. subtle, but that's genius. Right. Yeah, they're just not looking at the next thing. When can I get home? Right. Wouldn't that be amazing if you could do that as a business owner? Just have the, I mean, that's what you have to yeah, do, but it's impossible. Yeah. You only have the one thing that. in front of you. Well, <laughs> the other thing I'm sure was not lost on people, but what you said was, how do I know if I got the part? You do. Yeah, you absolutely. And we haven't really talked about how you do that. Um, well, we or they kind of did with the truck and, you know, no, the No, that's out on the truck, but when they need special parts, I mean, you're telling the warehouse guys what you're doing tomorrow, right? Right. And so they know. Have. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Why and do I need this? If we well, do have a trust me. oddball job or something like that, then that's in their checkout area. Right. Like if they're, if they're going to need a specific part or a quantity that we don't have, yeah. we already have that in their checkout area for right. that day. It's a lot of planning. Yeah, really yeah. cool. Um, so I think I want to go back to this, and you've kind of mentioned it with how you talk to the team about um, the financials, how they know the margins, all these different things. I think that's a crucial thing that's allowing you to make decisions really fast mm-hmm. and implement them across the company in a way that everybody's adopting them. like. It's difficult, like you just mentioned this job, only one job at a time, you're able to, because you're able to show, hey, the margins, you're able to show the financials and you're showing that to your team, they're able to adopt it a lot faster because they, they understand the why. Mm-hmm. And I think if you wouldn't be doing that, they wouldn't know the why and you'd have a lot of pushback, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. They wouldn't be invested in anything. Yeah. That's the- Especially if you showed up in a new Platinum F-150. Right. They'd be going, well, that's where all my levers are going. Then yeah. Michael's Unless they, under- a new truck. they understand that I would never just pay cash for one because yeah. then that would eat into our cash flow. <laughs> and, and it's your right to buy whatever the heck you want, too. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, yeah you there's public relations in that. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back. You talked about your parents still owning 20%. Mm-hmm. That 20% is worth a lot more today than what it was when they first got it, right? Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. And, and <laughs> the, the first year of whenever in 2012, they owed twenty five grand in taxes because um, the accountant that they had claimed uh, fuel mileage and fuel expense, so oh. it triggered an audit. Yeah. Oh. So wow. that's the first thing I have to do is figure out how to come up with twenty five thousand dollars. So Gosh. since then they've been, you know, happy, very happy with yeah how things what we've are done. And, yeah. And, and that's that's another thing in passing that a lot of people uh, don't think about. But you've got a you've changed around accounting a little bit, right? Yeah, accountants. I mean, oh, it's it's a it's an important. I, I would honestly say that's like the most difficult. I still don't have. Um, how do I word it? We need someone on staff that's better than what we have. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. For accounting specifically, accounting is just as important as doing the work because <laughs> if we don't have the books right, then we don't know what we're doing. Yeah, so. I don't know if it was Martin or somebody else, but it's like flying an airplane with no gauges. Yeah. <laughs> What's going to happen? It's a great analogy. Yeah. Good luck. And the window's blacked out. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you say has been the key? I mean, Martin has already said you're very unusual. What do you feel like has been like the key to, I know you already talked about taking that leap of faith, you know, jumping off without the wings, mm-hmm. but like what has been key for you in, in doing all these changes and turning and creating this extremely profitable company but it, you know, you're way larger than you were when you started. What has been the key to all this? I'd say people. Still, I mean, finding the the people that will jump off the cliff with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but, drink the Kool Aid. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I've you know, every dis- big decision like this, the core people that we have, they've been involved and have known what I'm thinking. Yeah, and. Uh, I always like one of my philosophies is when I tell you to do something, I'm going to tell you why you're doing it. Mm. And that goes throughout the whole company for the managers. If they're when they're telling someone to do something, they need to tell them why, because if you understand why you're going to do a better job and you're going to be happier. If you're if you're out there digging a ditch and you don't know why there's going to be a pipe coming through that's feeding this, you know, there's no purpose. Here's here's the whole job, you know, up to here's why we're deleting this department. You know, from something so small to so big, everyone needs to know why. Yeah, I would say because you're more you're more invested in it. You're you're a part of the team 
feel like you're included. Yeah, it's a sign of respect. Too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you didn't ask me, you asked Michael, but one of the things about Michael is um, wanting to change, but the, the most unusual thing is taking action. Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. you literally, every time I see you, well, whoa, I told you I went home, well, I sent you a picture. Oh, went, the truck. my house and at my neighbor's house is a brand new truck. Anyway, all rigged out. I knew about them, but sitting in my neighbor's driveway. Mm-hmm. And, but you, you took action. A lot of people know they should take action. They might even know what action to take, but then they just kind of don't do it. Yeah. And that's never been the case with Michael. You get You're enough, moving? Get enough yeah, information. Yeah, only a mile, but we got 17,000 square feet. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, you, you take that action. So that's one of them. And uh, you might, we we putting this at the end rather than at the beginning, but what has your, what was your vision and what has it evolved to? I mean, your vision sounds like when you were just two of you, you and Darren, it was like, get the job done. Yeah. And nowadays it's different. You want to share any of sure. that? I mean, Honestly, like the first goal, because when we came back, me and Darren, like I said, we were working like 80 to 90 hours a week and we're paying ourselves a salary. And if you break it down to hourly, we're making pretty much like minimum wage. So the first goal is to pay ourselves a journeyman wage and try to work 40 hours a week. Yeah. That was really all we had. And the way we thought we were going to get there is more sales. Um, so, you know, the long winding road to where we are now. Um, my vision now is to be able to not go into the office at all. Yeah. And I have started going in later. I don't go in in the morning until everyone's gone and try to have no contact with the uh, actual guys in the field until mm-hmm. the managers do it. Because that takes, if I'm there and they can come talk to me, then that takes the manager's, uh, I don't know power is the right word, but it takes their, their uh, authority. Their authority. Yeah. There you go, that's the better word. takes their authority away because that, they can just be bypassed. Right. So the vision now is... I think is, you had a sign on the door to that effect at one time, didn't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so the vision is to retire by the time I'm 40. Right. Me, and you're on that, you're on track, yeah. right? That's like, the, that's not the company vision, of course. Man, you're not but, 40 yeah. yet? You look like almost uh, 60. 65. It was those early years. I haven't had hair in like three years. <laughs> that's great. Well, you know, there are a lot of people uh, listening and... I'm just, I'm just sitting here thinking of categories. You know, you had to deal with inventory. You changed your pricing structure. You changed the type of work that you do completely. You changed your bookkeeping methods and had to learn that. You've taken in technology, which I call software. I also consider technology the fact that you lined out your trucks and did all that. You changed how you bid. You changed how you price work. Um, yeah. I mean, I could just keep on going. So I'm sitting here. As a guy driving around in the truck listening to this podcast, maybe I'm a journeyman, I'm going, that's what I want, but WTF, mm-hmm. how the hell, where do you start? What would your advice be to a young guy or a young lady? And they said, I want that. Well, at the very beginning, you're going to have to keep doing the field work, and then you're going to have to have another job at night and learn it. That's what, at the yeah. beginning, that's what I did, because I couldn't work less in the field. Yeah. So, and uh, read. Read. I, I absolutely Ooh. hated, well, I mean, I still don't like reading books, I'll be honest. Well, you can listen to them. You can listen to them. <laughs> well, with me, I've got to see the words. If yeah. I, yeah. If I hear I'm that it, way I'm too. It, yeah. I've got to read them. So, there's, there's insane how much, and I mean, there's always different ideas that can conflict with each other at times, but if you read enough books, you've got a good base foundation for right. what you need to do. Something will always stick. Yeah. But... And talk to other people. Yeah. that are in similar situations. Yeah, and talk to the similar. ones that are not complaining about how tough it is. The ones, Well, even if they're complaining, but the ones who are getting it done, not the yeah. ones who are saying, well, it's not fair or yeah. excuses and all that. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Stay, yeah and you'd be willing to help line. a journeyman, wouldn't you? As yeah. long as you wouldn't compete directly. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I know you. I no. mean, yeah, you would. Bring them on. Yeah. No, bring I mean, the competition, too. Bring them on. Well, you're here doing it right now. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, typically, you know, we're going through, we have some segments that we do. We're going to kind of skip through those, but um, we'll definitely have to bring you on and talk about like specific things. Like I definitely want to dive deep with, with Michael on like the inventory side, on the margin side, Mm -hmm. all these different things. Um, 
But before we go, we always do a recap of Ethan's insights, is what our segment's called. So you uh, you ready, Ethan? We're not going to have music today. I am ready. Okay. Martin just gave me pretty good too. Yeah, he really did. But uh, we got one minute on the clock. You ready? Yeah, is that, that mic reach from here? Yes, it does. Here we oh. go. Well, after Martin's little recap, I will say my favorite point of the whole thing was right at the beginning, and you said you've had more time with your family, and that's kind of like what this is all about, just having more time to think about yourself, not just stuck in the business all the time. Absolutely. Um, when you started, like Martin said, you didn't know where your money was going. You felt like you'd worked a lot, but you didn't see it, and you always felt like you were rushing from project to project. Then you decided to pick up commercial work, scale up, but it was sales-based still. You broke a million, but still no money to show. Your answer was accounts receivable and no processes. You then raised your prices, and you were kind of nervous, but you didn't lose any clients, only one. Uh, so don't be afraid to raise your prices. Uh, learned about keeping good books. You departmentalized so you could see exactly where your money was going. You split your books into classes, got your correct margins, and you were able to make confident business decisions. Uh, you began using systems in your workflow and inventory, and that helped a lot. And accounting is just as imp important as the work itself. So get good books, everybody. And also, uh, implement systems and processes. Yep. Okay. Most excellent. Anything we missed there? Well, there's a lot more to be had. <laughs> yeah. We got to have you. Uh, yeah. Got to have you. This wasn't so bad, right? No. Accounting it's, systems and processes is definitely where it's at. Yeah. We we've been said a few times on here that the effort of keeping track, getting and keeping track of your business, is more effort and doing whatever it is you do mm -hmm. there's more to it and yeah. uh, some people might argue with that and if they do i would say oh well then you're not getting the accounting and the sales <laughs> done yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely well it's been a pleasure man thank you so much i know you got to go pick up the kids right yep i'm picking yeah. them up from school all right cool fantastic that's great that you get to do that right yeah i mean yeah absolutely that's the vision right this. Yep. Yeah, and there's a lot of people. I mean, there was a time when you you couldn't have done that. Not I know at the all. kids are older now, but yeah, you had, there was no opportunity to do that. No, yeah. I have to have one pick thing them up every day. Yeah. In my book that is just coming out, I talk about uh, contractor dollar sign, and just amongst us, Michael is contractor dollar sign. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, um, appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Thanks and for having me. Yeah, we'll have you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, right. guys. Thanks, Thanks. Michael. Thanks for listening to The Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com. What's up, Cashflow Contractors? Khalil here. Thank you so much for getting to the end of this episode. It means the world to us that you're listening. Uh, I've got a favor to ask. So we are looking for contractors who would like to have a consult, a free consult with myself and with Martin um, for about 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, we'll basically just ask you questions about your business, about what it's like for you to work as a contractor, and then we will answer any of your questions specific to your business. Then we'll make that a live episode for other contractors to learn from, to engage with. Uh, and we think it's a great way for people to really see clear, uh, specific answers to problems that contractors have. So if that interests you at all, we're not going to share any of your information. Um, we, you don't even need to say your name on the episode. But I think we want to get some more of these episodes out there. And if you're willing to do that, we've got a link in the show notes that allows you to just submit a form for a consult, then we'll schedule it with you and record it, and we'll put you live on, on uh, the podcast. So if that interests you, please check it out in the show notes. If not, no worries. Or if you know someone else that you think would be interested in it, send it to them. That'd be great. But appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, we hope that you're finding less stress, more time, and more money. Thanks.